This is the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler warning for the Knights of the Old Republic series, Star Wars, The Old Republic, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Ebonhawk Podcast. Today, we have a really fun episode uh, planned for everyone. We're going to be talking about a book today, um, and it's a book. It came out just this past year, this last April, and it was something that we were both uh, pretty excited to get uh, and read and learn all about the, um, as they're called in the book here, the first family in Star Wars. But today, we're going to be talking about Skywalker, A Family at War by Kristen Baver. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this book, uh, Skywalker, A Family at War, and The Jedi Mind are some of my most like favorite Star Wars books that have come out this year. Yeah, for sure. So this book was written by Kristen Baver. If you're not familiar with her, she um, probably most notably in the Star Wars world, she hosts This Week in Star Wars on YouTube. Um, and also I think there's like a Star Wars book club on YouTube that she heads up. Um, and then she wrote this book. This was her first uh, Star Wars novel, and it came out in April of this past year. And then she's also helping to uh, co-author uh, the Star Wars Year by Year uh, visual history, so the new edition. So this will be, you know, the entire uh, shebang of uh, Star Wars goodness, I guess, that we've had through the Skywalker saga. And that was originally supposed to come out in September, but looks like it got pushed back to October. Uh, but if the way she wrote this book, if that carries over into this visual history um, and some of like some of like the snippets that go into it, I'm definitely going to be interested in picking that up. So for the listeners at home, Star Wars year by year, is it talking about um, our galaxy or the galaxy far, far away? I think it is talking about a galaxy far, far away in our galaxy, I believe. Okay, so it's like it'll start with like George Lucas coming up with Star Wars. I believe that is the case. Okay. That would be hilarious if, like, it's the other way around, and it's like, what do we know? But at least we're super positive and happy about it, you know? That's right. No, it's so it's, yeah, it's kind of like a historical uh, timeline of the way that the, the movies got made and came together and kind of all of the peripheral stuff that went along, you know, kind yeah. of beside the beside the movies, you know, and the, the storytelling. So uh, they're really cool. I I think that I have one of the year by years. I'm not sure which edition it is, but yeah, definitely. If, like I said, if Christine's bringing kind of what she brought with the family, the Skywalker family at war, I'm definitely interested in and in picking it up and having a look through it. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of uh, her content on YouTube. I was a big fan of this book. I mean, if you kind of check the Evan Hawk podcast Instagram, I feel like it. It was in my in my stories and posts a lot and. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, so if you're not familiar, listening out there, Skywalker Family at War, it's uh, basically it's a biography of the Skywalker family. So it kind of starts with, um, you know, Anakin as a child, wish me all the way up through uh, Ben and Ray. And this is considered like a canon biography. So it'd be like if you went to a library on Coruscant, you could take this off the shelf and read about the Skywalker family, uh, which is really interesting. It's a really interesting way to tell a story. So I guess with that in mind, what got you interested in picking this up? I know that you picked this up pretty much, uh, you know, right around release time. Uh, was this something that was on your radar? You just heard about it? Um, what got you interested in picking this one up? 
So I think what really got me interested in it was last year, there really wasn't much to do because I was working from home and I was being careful and a lot of stuff was shut down. So mm-hmm. I kind of just listened to a whole lot of audiobooks. And uh, when I walk or go on hikes, it's just kind of nice to uh, listen to some stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, for one of the book groups I was part of, uh, the other person selected George Lucas, A Life by Brian J. Jones. And it was really cool just to kind of like understand the history and psychology of a person, you know, especially one that like kind of influenced me creatively and just kind of as a person. And like I, I've kind of known some stuff about and like just to kind of learn a little bit more of the picture behind the scenes, you know? And mm-hmm. then when I heard, like, I was like, Skywalker Family at War, like, what is this? Like, it has an incredible cover. It has, like, Luke and Leia, like, in the shadow of Vader. And then on the spine, it has Vader and Anakin. It's literally and figuratively Anakin as the spine. And then it has uh, Ray and Kylo Ren's mask on the back. I just thought it was an incredible cover. And then I was like... It's a biography of the Skywalker family, and, like, I'm honestly someone who, like, loves history. Mm-hmm. Like, when the crown comes on, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to pretend to be sick, you know? Like, so I can, like, <laughs> right? watch all these episodes kind of, like, all at once, you know? But, um, it just seemed like a clever idea, and it hasn't been... I don't think it's really been done before, uh, to my knowledge, and I was just, like... Because there's a lot going on psychologically with this family, and Mm -hmm. sometimes I think it isn't always shown on screen, just kind of the style of story it is. Sometimes it's just more just like da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, like they kind of just gallop along, but... Sure, yeah. Just kind of like being able to delve into these characters that I love, and like you learn so much about Shami and Anakin, Padme, how it was for them growing up, like what were what was Anakin and Padme's marriage like, uh, what kind of led Anakin to fall to the dark side, and then like, uh, we kind of know the Luke and Leia story, but I feel like it kind of focused on newer details, like especially around Leia. Mm-hmm. And then I was I was curious to kind of know about like the the how it was going to handle the Ben and Ray story, but I I kind of think I liked the way that uh, Kristen Baver kind of handled the sequel trilogy because it it kind of made it seem more interconnected than I think the the films do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she did an excellent job of kind of weaving the story. So when I kind of first heard about this. I, you know, I'd seen some stuff about it online and and heard some things uh, that it was coming out. And I was like, Skywalker, a family at war. I was like, that's kind of weird, right? We all know that story. You know, we're we're all invested in that story. You know, what kind of story is there to tell in that? But um, I've always I've always been a fan of, you know, Kristen Baber on the this week on Star Wars. So I was like, well, I'll pick it up and check it out. Um, and yeah, I was just amazed at kind of the level of depth it's. It's really interesting to like read the story that you that you know you know like how the story is going to unfold. But uh, she does a really excellent job of getting into like the psyche um, and the mentality of 
you know, these characters, the decisions that they're making, why they're making the decisions that they're making. And it really sort of fills out, um, you know, this Skywalker timeline. And yeah, definitely it gives a lot more weight to um, some of the stuff in the sequel trilogy. At least for me, that's kind of what I took out of it. But yeah, it's it's a really good read. It's a really easy read, um, which is which is nice. You can just kind of pick it up, like I said, because you're already kind of familiar with the story and just dig a little deeper into the uh, family members here of the Skywalker family. Yeah, the prose is is clear and concise. It's not just to say like it's a simple read, but just the way it's phrased. I believe that Christian Baber has a journalism background so I think that shows Mm -hmm. like she's able to kind of get behind the scenes and into the psychology and like the the history of what happens and it's just clear prose and I was able to read this on vacation while I was like in a car and like it was easy to pick up and it was a it was a great read I'd I definitely recommend picking it up Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we take a quick break and then uh, we'll be back and we're going to kind of go through um, kind of the different facets of the story a little bit and then uh, see if we can work those, you know, back into KOTOR because, you know, everything has a uh, true beginning after all. So we'll be right back. Alrighty, so the Skywalker saga begins with the one and only Anakin Skywalker, and it was really cool to get a little bit more depth into what Anakin's childhood, being raised with an only mother as a slave on Tatooine was like. Uh, What did you think about that? Yeah, so uh, I liked getting into uh, that kind of part of his story uh, quite a bit. Um, Obviously, we know just from watching and, you know, the way his relationships carried on through through the Clone Wars and and his his turn to Darth Vader that, you know, he really was kind of longing for a father figure. But this really kind of explored his relationship with his mother a little bit more. One of the kind of takeaways I got from her part of the story was just, you know, they had kind of this little, like, tiny, like, hut, I guess, that they probably gave, you know, all the slaves to live in. But she, you know, really always did her best to turn it into a home and be positive and sort of instill kind of this sort of helpful attitude to Anakin. And that really, you know, kind of translates to how we first meet him on, you know, Tatooine, just wanting to to help this uh, crew that rolls up needing to get their uh, starship fixed. But yeah, I really liked digging into his relationship with his mother uh, a little bit more. Yeah, and it really gave a whole lot more depth to Shimi, um, Mm -hmm. which was really cool to get. And uh, just kind of like seeing like Anakin and Shimi are, they were very close because he didn't have a father, he didn't have other siblings. They were kind of like all that they had, you know? Mm -hmm. Like was was their family. Um, And I kind of think like... It didn't quite come out and say this in Skywalker Family at War, but when I was reading The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell, it's a book that like kind of talks about like mythological 
beats, you know, like kind of like a mm-hmm. universe, like universal storytelling, kind of like the cycle things go through. And like a lot of like, I think some of the book, like you could probably be like, okay, that's kind of outdated and stuff. And it kind of talked about like, uh, I mean, one thing that was outdated was like kind of talking about Oedipus, you know, and I'm like, eh, why are we talking about, why is he talking about this, you know, but um, I think when I was reading The Hero with a Thousand Faces, I kind of understood where George Lucas was coming from when he was writing the prequels, because mm-hmm. Anakin, when he leaves Tatooine, all he has had was his mother, and then he kind of attaches onto the first, like, kind of older female, you know, that he meets, who is Padme, and... Mm-hmm. I think, like, Anakin, he is very passionate, I think, and he does love people, but I think he just doesn't know quite how to love them, and I think that's kind of, like, the fault of the Jedi, and, like, maybe just, like, kind of, like, losing his mother at at an impressionable age, and, like, losing Qui-Gon, like, right after that, you know? and. Yeah. So I kind of was like, huh, like, kind of how Anakin is as a kid, you know, like, his mother was his whole world, and then that kind of, the pattern kind of, like, transfers, you know, over to Padme, and then Padme's his whole world, you know, so when he loses his mom, um, he kind of transfers his whole world axis, you know, over to Padme, and, like, he just wants to be able to control what everyone does and like when he's kind of when he loves someone the vibe i kind of get from anakin is like it's more about how he feels about them than Mm -hmm. like how they feel you know yeah that's an interesting point to bring up about his relationship with padme because you know padme was a senator right from from naboo she was in a position where she didn't really need his help but he I don't, I don't know. It, it was almost like um, he felt like he was he needed to like project that she needed help, his help, because I think that was the only kind of way that he knew how to have a relationship with yeah. someone. So, yeah, I thought that kind of digging into, you know, that aspect of Anakin's upbringing and how it related then to his, you know, future relationship with his, you know, wife uh, was a really interesting kind of take on it and something that you don't necessarily pick up on just watching the movies right you just see that you know they're in they're in love and they care about each other but you don't really get the disconnect and kind of the role they're each playing for each other yeah and it was kind of interesting to see like between the phantom menace and attack of the clones like what happens with anakin and canon you know um Mm -hmm. because just his personality and like the personality expected of, like, a young Jedi, just very different. And, like, Obi-Wan's a good guy, but, like, I think Anakin just needed a more experienced father figure, but he's just kind of, like, a reluctant older brother, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that Palpatine is always, like, 15 steps ahead, and he was able to kind of, like, be there kind of behind the scenes influencing Anakin, like... Uh, from probably the Phantom Menace, you know? And Mm -hmm. one thing I I liked that this book pointed out that I don't think I ever realized is, like, 
Anakin loses his mom, and then the Clone Wars start, and then he gets married, probably in the span of a couple days. Like, I think he loses his mom, you know, and, like, he's not able to grieve or, like, oh, and he, he killed the Tusken Raiders, so it's, like, he lost his mom, killed the Tusken Raiders, confessed that to Padme, they go to Geonosis, the Clone Wars begins, and then... He's a knight, and then he's married, all in secret, and then it's like, what does that psychologically do to a person, you know, like, that happened in that short of a time, and, like, it's not like Jedi are, like, given therapy, like, I mm -hmm. honestly was, like, reading this book, I'm like, oh my goodness, everyone needed therapy this whole time, instead of, like, a Star <laughs> War, they just needed a star therapist, you know? Yeah, they needed some therapy, but it, it talks about, you know, he didn't get any therapy because, you know, Obi-Wan was there. He was, he was his, his master, his mentor. But, you know, it talks about, you know, a couple of times Anakin refers to him as being the father figure or, you know, the closest thing I have to a father. But Obi-Wan always thought of him as a brother um, and, you know, not really as a father figure. So, uh, you know, it's just him having all of these different relationships that are all kind of disconnected, what he was expecting to get out of them versus what he actually got out of them. So the only relationship he really had, um, and it does a, an excellent job in the book of, you know, kind of going through, you know, the mental strain on him. But, you know, Palpatine was the only one he could really talk to about any of this stuff, you know, that he didn't feel like he was necessarily disappointing. Like, I think he would have felt like he was disappointing Obi-Wan if he would have told him that he'd gotten married or, you know, that he'd killed the the Tuscan Raiders or he would have disappointed Padme, you know, if you would have told her about, you know, this kind of stuff. So he was really the only sort of ear that he had and the only kind of father figure, I guess, is what you'd call him, um, even though it was a manipulative relationship to say the least. But yeah, it's just, it's really kind of fascinating to look at it, not from you know, just the, what you see on the screen, but to dig into the, the psyche and the, you know, kind of mental uh, state that Anakin is in during all of this. Yeah. And then kind of the next section of Anakin's uh, portion of the book of interest was kind of a talking about Ahsoka Tano and like what it kind of meant for him to be a master, you mm -hmm. know? And honestly, I think like the Skywalker saga could have gone differently if not for Ahsoka being put on trial you know mm -hmm. and the book also makes the point like when Ahsoka decides to leave the order that probably Anakin at that time the best thing for him to do would probably to be t to leave as well like he could probably he would probably be happier you know and help the Republic more and honestly, probably help the Jedi more, you know, like, if he's just able to be a free agent, you know, and I think, sure. like, Obi-Wan would have understood, and Padme, things would probably be easier on her to have a non-secret marriage, you know, and mm -hmm. it probably, he'd probably be happier, you know, like, but he didn't, and then he kind of kept on <laughs> fighting the war. It was kind of funny, it mentioned the Bad Batch, and I was like, oh, synergistic, you know? And it's like, yeah, oh, that's cool. right. It's, it's really interesting the way that it talks about um, his relationship with Ahsoka. And I, it, maybe you could say that that's maybe like the one thing that the Jedi Council did right was 
assigning Ahsoka to him because they could, you know, sort of recognize that he needed someone to be attached to um, in a way that was uh, going alongside of the, you know, Jedi code, so to speak. But, you know, in the end, they almost end up as like mirror images of each other, right? They're the same person, but Ahsoka decides to leave and he decides to stay. Um, yeah. And, you know, you know, we know the way her story goes and ultimately it's a lot more uh, peaceful and centered and more Jedi-like than the way Anakin's story goes. So, yeah, he, he was able to kind of teach the lessons that he needed to learn, but he wasn't able to learn them for himself. And, you know, whether that was, you know, due to, you know, his relationship with uh, Obi-Wan or, you know, kind of the pressure he put on himself in his marriage with Padme, um, it's hard to say, but it's really interesting to, you know, kind of, read this story and how it's playing out, you know, in these characters' heads versus what their actions were. Yeah. And kind of like after Ahsoka leaves, you kind of see, like, I think Anakin is just kind of, like, stretched too thin. Maybe he's good at war, but maybe that's not good for him as a person, you know? And, like, I think you kind of see, like, his relationship with Obi-Wan kind of start to be strained and you see like when Clovis comes onto the scene like you see some some bad um you see some like uh, I guess what would you say like when Clovis comes onto the scene you kind of see some bad traits Anakin has like front and center you know like yeah, it's, kind of possessiveness yeah it's just yeah definitely possessiveness yeah that's a really good way to put it but yeah over overbearing um yeah, possessiveness. And that's not something that Padme needed in a relationship or wanted. Um, like I said, I think it was, you know, just him kind of projecting what she needed onto her rather than, mm -hmm. you know, just, just being a, a real partner for her. And that's probably largely in part due to the fact that, you know, they they both were under pressure to kind of keep this thing secret. So Yeah. And you kind of just see like where that leads up to Revenge of the Sith, and you kind of see, like, it's a span of over four days, which kind of blew my mind when the Siege of Mandalore started, because, like, I felt like it was at least a month, you know, that mm -hmm. the Revenge of the Sith takes place in, but I'm like, it's four days, wow, okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, one complaint some people have about the Revenge of the Sith movie is that Anakin's turn to the dark side is too... Um, it's like a light switch, but I would be mm -hmm. like, uh, I think you weren't really paying attention, you know, cause like kind of throughout all of Revenge of the Sith, like there's just kind of like doubts and everything getting peppered in that Anakin has. But, um, mm -hmm. what I love about this book is like, it really showed that like Anakin's fall probably really began in the Phantom Menace, you know, and mm -hmm. It's just kind of like some things are had a big impact, you know, and his shift to the dark side was kind of inevitable, and it really felt gradual the way that uh, the the story happened. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about the book, right? Is that you know, you know, the downfall is coming, but the way that you know she kind of weaves the story and you know, picks up all these little breadcrumbs along the way and it stops to make you think, you know, oh, that really was, you know, pretty impactful for him, right? And just to to dig into 
you know, the the emotions kind of behind the actions and the the simmering and the you know, not able to to talk to anyone. So, you know, when they're at the opera and he's talking to Palpatine about it and he says that, you know, he knows about the Tuscan Raiders and it's it's fine, you know, no big deal. You can you can talk to him about it then you know, that his fall is kind of already set at that point, I think. Yeah. And it it doesn't make it any easier. Like, I don't know, whenever I watch Revenge of the Sith, I'm like, and then they were happy. And Obi-Wan was like Luke and Leia's uncle and everyone was happy, you know, mm-hmm. but, yep. but it happens. And then you kind of learn like what happens to Obi-Wan and Anakin and... And I feel like this this book kind of gave some hints as to what's to come in the Kenobi series, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you, you kind of also learn more about what happened to Padme, her family, what they were told, what happened, and then, like, where Luke and Leia end up. And the second section, you know, is all about the twins, you know. Mm-hmm. And I believe the first section was called The Father, wasn't it? see i have it right here let me take a look the first section is called the father yep about oh yeah so then... and then section three will be called the dyad so spoiler alert for later but <laughs> yep. um yeah like what do you what do you like about like kind of learning about like luke and leia's um upbringings um so kind of the the big takeaway just you know kind of from their you know kind of beginnings right they're both sent off to adopted family. You know, Luke's sent to live with his aunt and uncle. Uh, Leia's adopted by the Organas. It, but they both kind of grow up with this longing to kind of be their own person or to to be recognized. Like, Luke really wants to kind of go, you know, make his own way, you know, through the galaxy. He wants to get off of Tatooine and, uh, you know, do something different than what the uh, Lars family is doing. Um, Leia just wants to, you know, kind of, grow up and show that she can, you know, sort of take over and be trusted, you know, to be a part of this rebellion. And I think that that's kind of interesting that they both were in these adopted family kind of situations and they both had, you know, kind of similar, similar ideals about what they wanted to, to do. I don't know. I just, I just thought that that was kind of interesting that they were in, you know, completely different, you know, environments, one, poor moisture farmer and the other, you know, wealthy, uh, princess, um, but still had kind of the same head on their shoulders at at the end of the day. Yeah. It is interesting to see kind of the similarities that Luke and Leia have. And then kind of like the, the different nurturing, like each had, like, I would say Mm -hmm. both of them were, were happy, you know, but it's just kind of interesting to see like, I think there's a meme where it's like Obi-Wan is asking Padme like, oh, where do you want the kids to end up? And it's like, oh, Leia can be like a princess on Alderaan. And then it's like, what about Luke? And it's like, eh, he can be a farmer or whatever. Who cares? You know, like, (laughs) (laughs) it's just kind of like, it was really cool to learn more about Leia's upbringing because I was like, this is almost like perfect, I think, like. If the galaxy mm-hmm. weren't like in a galactic civil war and the Death Star didn't exist, like I feel like her childhood was was perfect, honestly. Like mm-hmm. Bale is like the best space dad there is, I think. And 
learning more about Leia's mom, Briha Organa, and, like, how she was happily adopted and um, kind of, like, uh, almost like she was, like, Padme incarnate, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, Leia's just a really cool character and um, uh, just kind of reading bloodlines and everything, like, mm-hmm. I feel like Claudia Gray really gets uh, Leia and... Yeah, she understands her really well because I, I'm about a hundred percent sure she wrote uh, *Princess of Alderaan* too. So. Oh yeah, uh, so she she did a lot of work for Leia, and like it was just really cool to kind of be able to learn more about Leia's upbringing because we don't really get it as much in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of uh, we also got some information on Luke. Like, it's just kind of funny because like it just kind of makes you wonder, like, if the positions were reversed, like, maybe, like, Leia would probably want more than, like, growing up on Tatooine, you know, and, like, kind of long to make a change in galactic politics, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, but she's from, like, you know, the the Omaha of, uh, <laughs> of the galaxy, you know? And, like, I bet, like, Luke would still find things to whine about on Alderaan, but I think he would enjoy it, you know? Like, he'd have a cool cape, like, Senator Organa, you know? But uh, it talks about Luke growing up on Tatooine, like, they weren't able to have kids of their own, the Larses, but they they did love him, but, like, it's hard growing up in a desert, you know, like, uh, as a moisture farmer, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. Luke kind of has his head in the clouds and, like, kind of you kind of get the impression like Luke thinks he's meant for more in this life than like living on Tatooine. Like, and his uncle is like, okay, I need you to like focus kid. Cause like, this is kind of our livelihood. And right. he's just kind of goofing off, you know? And then of course, like uh, a movie, you know, in 1977 came out called star Wars. And then that kind of happens, you know, in, in this book, um, mm-hmm. I kind of liked how it didn't like drag it out, like the stuff we already knew. It, right. it was kind of nice how it was like a a different way of like experiencing the story, like we all really know really well. Um, but mm-hmm. what I what I kind of liked was like kind of learning the information between the movies and like what it meant for the psychology of each of them, and like because like going from Star Wars, you know, to Empire Strikes Back, like, it talks about how Leia lost her family, you know, her whole planet, her whole heritage and everything, gone Mm -hmm. in an instant, but it was kind of talking about, like, Leia is able to kind of, um, learn how to kind of push some of what she's feeling down to be able to help other people. Because, like, literally when, when Leia lost Alderaan, she's kind of there to be like, I, yeah, I know you knew Obi-Wan for 12 hours. That must be really hard for you, Luke. <laughs> but she's able to, like, not right, sure. be mad in that moment, you know? And it kind of talks about the relationship, like, will-they-won't-they they relationship she has with Han, you know? Like, between, like, uh, between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back and, like, how the rebellion like kind of needed leaders and that's why like i think 
Luke, Leia, and Han are kind of promoted, you know, like, they're really high up in in the ranks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's just kind of attributed uh, primarily, I think, to Leia's kind of upbringing. You know, she was kind of raised in, in this leadership role to play a key part in the rebellion. And I think you can definitely see that. I mean, you see it, like, on the Death Star when they go to rescue her and she basically just, you know, takes over command from Luke and Han and Chewie and to to get them out there but yeah Yeah. she doesn't she doesn't really you know have a chance to grieve um and i think that you know that that probably weighed on her quite a bit but you know she was able to to get through it she'd watched her you know parents kind of struggle with this you know her entire childhood versus luke who you know was on tatooine with his aunt and uncle who were um it uh, Clearly, you know, uh, love Luke and wanted one of the best for him, but we're more of a, a keep your head down, don't cause any trouble because we don't want, you know, <laughs> we don't want your dad to show up and uh, find out that you're here. So uh, just a kind of completely different different circumstance. But yeah, as they get into, you know, the rebellion and are taking up kind of, you know, prominent, you know, leadership spots, you know, Leia's, you know, taking charge, you know, sending out missions, going on missions, uh, you know, figuring out where to go, where to run, where to hide, where to attack, things like that. And, you know, Luke's just trying to figure out what his place in all of this is. So it's it's kind of a different path that they're each taking through leadership. I mean, Luke has the ability to use the Force, which certainly is handy for the Rebellion. But I think this is where Leia really shines as, you know, a strong and independent and intelligent uh, leader for the uh, Rebel Alliance. And I think that that kind of reflects their uh, upbringings probably the most as they, you know, are still pretty young and thrust into leading this thing against the uh, Empire. Yeah. And it's just kind of interesting. Like, I think this book, like, maybe because, like, I knew the twist before I even saw Empire Strikes Back, really. Um, Mm -hmm. But... It really gets into, like, what it would mean for your father to be Darth Vader. Like, I think, like, the full psychic trauma, kind of like his whole life was a lie. Like, Luke had to, like, kind of relearn who he was, you know, examine his goals and, like, kind of re-examine, like, his aunt and uncle uh, what he's been trying to do, like, to follow his father's footsteps, Ben Kenobi, Yoda, like, he realizes, like, everyone was lying to him, you know? Like, what Mm -hmm. did you think about that? Yeah, I thought that that was interesting. That was something that, you know, he had to come to terms with. And and then I thought that it was really interesting is that he kind of is on this journey himself to learn those things, learn how to reconcile that, you know, within himself with, you know, with Obi-Wan, with Yoda, to kind of make peace with it, but Leia never really had that opportunity. So we see that by, like, you know, the end of Return of the Jedi, when, you know, uh, Darth Vader, you know, Anakin, you know, sacrifices himself basically to to save Luke at the end there, um, you know, he's been able to make peace uh, with Anakin, um, but Leia never really had that opportunity. Um, and you mentioned Bloodlines, and it gets into, into that in that book there a little bit bit more there but yeah i really liked you know kind of looking at the psychology of you know having having the opportunity to 
um, make peace with yourself versus, you know, not being able to or not afforded that opportunity because Leia had, you know, she had stuff to do. She was, she was busy, but, uh, you know, Luke was able to kind of overcome that. And I think that that's really where you see, um, the big kind of disconnect in what's going on, you know, as we start into the sequel trilogy. Yeah. And then it was really cool to kind of see like what it meant uh, for Darth Vader to learn that he had a son, you know, it kind of talks about like mm-hmm. the Charles soul, uh, run of comics where like Darth Vader kind of learns like what happened to, to Padme and everything. And then of course, uh, the return of the Jedi happens like, and it's just cool to kind of see it covered with new eyes, you know, and kind of new perspectives and mm-hmm. uh kind of at the end of this section you're like and everything is gonna go perfectly fine <laughs> and then it, it's kind of like part three the dyad and it's like everything did not go perfectly fine but right yeah so for anakin to find out that he had had the children to to have had a son that was kind of the the ultimate in um being able to forgive himself and to find kind of that love he'd been looking for for you know the whole of the prequel trilogies and that was that was ultimately what palpatine hid from him was you know just just that knowledge and just that love and just that you know he was you know able to have this uh relationship and that's that's ultimately what what palpatine stole from him and you know kept him uh being darth vader um when he wouldn't have had to have been if he would have probably if he probably would have just known then you know would have all been different yeah what i like about the the dyad section is that even though like anakin's not alive during this trilogy like your grandchildren you know and your children still kind of have to deal with like uh the shadow you know and right I like how this section kind of begins. Like, it doesn't say, like, it doesn't, like, be like, whoo, you want to know the mystery? Who is Ray? It just is like, Ray is <laughs> descended from Palpatine, you know? And it's like, great. Right. That's all I wanted, you know, was That's not a bait it. and switch, you know? <laughs> just some clarity right there, yeah. Clarity, you know? And it's like, okay, I respect that rather than be like, you'll never guess who Ray's grandparents are or, like, parents are. It just is like, yeah, she's a Palpatine, and it kind of talks about, like, it's kind of a very short section. Um, mm-hmm. I, I believe we'll get more sequel content in the future, but I like how it kind of talks about, like, Ben is a chocolate cupcake with, like, the light side frosting, <laughs> and then okay. uh, Ray is, is a like a light side cupcake with like dark side frosting. They kind of balance mm. each other out. They are a dyad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that, um, that this section, like you said, it is a little bit shorter, but I thought that it was pretty interesting kind of the way that it talked about each of these, um, characters and kind of fleshed out, you know, why they were the way that they were. Um, so it talks a lot about like Ben's expectations on him. Um, you know, Leia was was busy. First order was coming. She was a general. She's trying to figure figure out how to be a mom. His dad, you know, Han, trying to figure out how to be a dad. You know, leading the revolution on Kashyyyk and 
all this stuff. So he's off with his uncle, um, kind of feeling like he was abandoned a little bit. Um, kind yeah. of feeling like like Luke was holding him back. Like he felt like he was stronger than than Luke was, or that the other students were, and he felt like he should be progressing faster and you know be more of an equal almost. Uh, it's very similar to how you know Anakin behaved you know when he went into uh becoming a jedi right thought that you know i was he was stronger and you know better at using the force than the other students he should be up ahead of them already and you know a lot of parallels there kind of between uh, anakin's story and ben's story i thought yeah ben and anakin definitely have parallels but i think like when you kind of look into it like what causes them to fall are very different things and like i think that the the section three the dyad really highlights that and because it's not one for one like they're identical but i definitely saw the parallels and i kind of was able to understand more like ben's background and like why he would feel like he wasn't good enough why he was abandoned and why he would probably turn to the dark side and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I kind of want to have more Ben and Ray content in the future to kind of learn more of the story, but I think that, uh, if you want, like, the sequel trilogy in the most straightforward and concise way, like, this is the place, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and it yeah. was, it was, it was kind of cool to learn more about, like, Ray's horrible upbringing, and I'm like, wow, that really sucked, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't go to Jakku. It didn't sound good for sure, but I you know, I like that it highlighted, you know, that she you know, she was still like despite all of that and despite her lineage, she, you know, was still very kind and very, still very like self reflective. And one of yeah. kind of my favorite parts of the book, it talks about when she returns to Octo, you know, in the end during the uh Rise of Skywalker to to basically put herself into isolation because she's afraid of uh, herself basically. And she's afraid yeah. of what, what she could do. I thought that that was really interesting and it was really interesting to read it as opposed to just, you know, just kind of seeing it on, on screen, you know, just for, just for a minute or two, but kind of reading through the thought process of her, um, you know, deciding to go back there and isolate herself and then, you know, having, you know, one last confrontation with Luke there to, persuade her into you know carrying out you know the the task before her you know to not be afraid of of who you are um and that doesn't define who you're going to be i thought that that was that was really interesting really well written and uh you know something i hope we get to explore a little bit more here in the future and it kind of talks about how ray finds the resistance and like finn and poe and rose and I mean, sometimes, like, the Rise of Skywalker moves so fast, but I like how uh, Baver is able to kind of, like, kind of justify, like, what's happening, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, kind of keep it on the the story and the, and the characters. Um, kind of, like, able to examine, like, psychologically where are the characters coming from, why are they doing what they are, you know, and... It was really cool to, like, have Ben, you know, kind of come back to the light side. And then uh, it it talks about the dyad between Ben and Ray. And mm-hmm. 
I would love to learn more about dyads, you know, and kind of what that means. And I think just one hard thing for me is like, it's just like Ben turns good and it's like, I'm good. It's just, I'm dead. You know, like it, it, sometimes that's quick, but I feel like it was executed well in, in this section and mm-hmm. it was well written. And I kind of was like, uh, raise a Skywalker. Like, okay. <laughs> but in, in this, in this book, I, I thought it made, I thought it made sense. You know, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I really like about uh, Ray's story in particular and the way that it lays it out in, in the book because that was one of the things that you heard the most, well, maybe not the most because you heard a lot of griping just in general, but uh, of her being a Skywalker. And if you look at Star Wars as a whole, kind of every facet of it, the whole sort of premise of this thing is, uh, you know, a finding a finding your own family, right? It's not how you're born or where you're born or who you're born to. It's, you know, about the people that you want to live and love alongside and uh, fight beside and what you want to save, you know, as Rose says, you know, you fight for the ones you love. So kind of the whole thesis of Star Wars is uh, this found family kind of a thing. So I think that uh, Kristen Baver did a really good job of kind of, you know, explaining that and putting it into words and um, in a way that was, you know, kind of easy to read and easy to understand and, uh, you know, what it meant for her to, you know, at the end of the saga, say that her name is Ray Skywalker because that's how she felt. Yeah. I, I'm i just curious about, like, who wrote this in the universe? Like, are they famous? You know, like, how did they get right. the information? Yeah. You know, like, it, it's so well done. Like, was it a Jedi historian wearing, like, Atris-like robes? Or yeah. was it just some random guy from, like, Onderon or something? But, because I would love to, like, see that character. Yeah, well, on the, uh, on the jacket cover here, it says that it was uh, put together with available resources, including R2-D2's memory files, personal diaries, correspondence, hollow recording, news dispatches, and uh, other chronicles. So, yeah, it would be interesting to find the uh, Star Wars historian that, uh, that put this all together in canon. You know, as long as it's uh, Kristen Baver, you know, adjacent, because she definitely deserves all the credit for, for doing this for sure. Yeah, Kristen Baver, like, her name as a Jedi, and, and it's her. Like, that would be cool. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I love I love the book. I hope that everyone who hasn't read it who's listening is going to pick up a copy from an indie bookstore and mm-hmm. uh, or get it on Audible and uh, just... I hope it's on Audible. Um, if not we could make that happen, you know, but, um, definitely give it a read, you know, it, it's so worth a read because Mm -hmm. you're getting a whole new take on the story you already know so well, and it's well written. And I feel like I've said all the things I can really say. It's really, really (laughs) good. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely worth your time to read. Like I say, it's, when if you just think about it, you're like, oh, this is a story I already know. And I mean, it does. It goes through those stories, but it never dwells on them. I think like the entire like 
a new hope story is wrapped up in about a paragraph <laughs> right so it's just like, like it's, four pages so yeah it's 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 not a lot she's like so they went to the death star then they blew it up you know the end but you know what does that mean for these people um which uh if you're a fan of this podcast you know that that's what cassie and i are super interested in so yeah so definitely give this one a read for sure So speaking of the dyad, the original dyad, the OG dyad. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the OGD, the OG dyad. Like uh, we can find a way to kind of like combine that into a word that people yeah. would probably be like, "That sounds stupid." Like almost <laughs> as bad as naming a podcast the Up and Hawk Podcast, and then people are like, "How do you spell that?" And uh, <laughs> then you have to spell it out and they're like what does it mean and it's like oh it's the name of the spaceship in an old video game from 2003 and 2005 you know like <laughs> it yeah yeah <laughs> not that that's topical or anything but um the original dyad bastila and revan um this the skywalker family at war just like got me curious about what a dyad means because I feel like the Rise of Skywalker, it kind of just almost like touched the surface of like what it means for a dyad in the Force, you know? And mm -hmm. I feel like each dyad in the Force could kind of be different, you know? Um, like they would have different capabilities, you know? Like I think mm -hmm. like Ben and Ray are kind of like two that are one in like in space, you know, they can kind of, uh, transfer objects across the galaxy. They can t touch fingers across mm -hmm. the stars, if you will. Um, and I was kind of like going like, huh, like, because of course we have a KOTOR podcast and like, I think the sun never sets on the KOTOR empire, you know? Um, right. Yeah. And I was kind of like, huh, like what would, what would a dyad look like with, uh, Revan and Bastila, you know, like, what do you think that would mean? Yeah, so I I mean I guess it, it kind of the simplest terms are these force dyads are like opposite sides of the same coin. Um now I guess that that could mean a lot of different things, but there are definitely some parallels between Bastila and Revan and um you know Ray and Ben, you know, a dyad we haven't seen in generations. The big the big one for me and probably the most obvious one to everyone is, you know, Ray ends up saving Ben, saving his life and ultimately redeeming him. And that's, you know, something very similar to what, what we see uh, Bastila, Bastila doing for uh, Revan. Um, now, I wonder if, is that what, you know, kind of kickstarts this dyad? Probably not, because, you know, in The Last Jedi, we'd, we'd seen them already coming together. So I think it's, I, it's just kind of two powerful beings in... And the force kind of like a, like I said, two sides of a, of a coin, but that's kind of the big, big parallel for me. That's, you know, that's how, how I see it and how kind of these things are getting started. Um, and then, you know, they're able to communicate, uh, through the force, uh, which is important. And, you know, ultimately the dyad comes together to either, I guess, save the universe or 
destroy the universe, I guess, if they were a, a, a dark side dyad. I suppose that that's, that's possible too. Yeah. But, you know, basically you kind of need these two parts to bring balance to the force, right? Because like I said, it's uh, it's opposites almost. So, Yeah, because I think like if you kind of look at the story of KOTOR, it, it kind of goes along really well with like the sequel trilogy. So I don't, I really think that like the writers of Star Wars, you know, the sequel trilogy, they do know the story of KOTOR and like maybe mm-hmm. they kind of like take references, you know, or kind of like allusions to it, you know, in their stories. But the galaxy in the sequel trilogy is kind of like still at war. You're kind of like still dealing with the ramifications of war in the galaxy. And like, I think when I first was watching the sequel trilogy, I'm like, oh yeah, because Return of the Jedi, the Empire died, but now they're here, but the First Order. But I was like, I was looking at history and I was like, oh, World War One happened, you know, but then World War Two still happened, you know, and then it's like, mm-hmm. you kind of have to look at it like that, you know, like, and like, yep. we're still mm-hmm. talking about the ramifications of World War Two, like, every day, you know, and sure, yeah. so these things don't just go away, you know, and like, so the state of the galaxy in the sequel trilogy is bad, you know, and I think the force is like, okay. The Chosen One did his part, and now I'm going to have to, like, kind of have these two, two that are one, you know, like, light and dark, and uh, kind of bring balance back to the galaxy that way, you know? And I think that's kind of what happens in Knights of the Old Republic 2. Um, mm-hmm. In my mind, like, I think, like, the, the dyad would be kind of more gradual with... Bastel and Revan, you know, if you're kind of developing it over a trilogy just to kind of be different, you know? Um, sure. And, like, it kind of shows that the galaxy kind of needed a second chance, kind of like Revan and Bastila both did, like, and they're kind of able to to save the galaxy through their bond, their dyad, and it'd be kind of cool to, like, see, like, what their dyad would look like. Maybe it's, like, their mind is kind of similar, not like mind reading, but like, or maybe like they're connected in dreams or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But it'd be cool to kind of see like the similarities and the differences, kind of like how Ben and Anakin are similar, but not one for one. Yeah, I'd be really interested to see how you could play up other aspects of the Force Dyad. I mean, in the sequel trilogy, we get the, you know, the uh, Force Time uh, events. Uh, going on you know in the last jedi um and then you know kind of at, at the end uh they're able to you know kind of pass the lightsaber from ray to ben you know kind of through this kind of dimension of the force that they're able to tap into as a dyad but i think that you know there would be other sort of i don't want to say powers but other sort of you know kind of abilities that you would have by having kind of this two-part of the force going on and i don't even necessarily think that it would have they would all have to be the same i think that you could have you know probably different kinds of dyads going on you know with different abilities and different ways to see the force and i think that that's something that um getting into in the high republic a little bit um one of the passages are talking about 
how you always meditate with your master, but then when your master dies, you're doing it alone for the first time. So I think that there's kind of, you know, sort of like smaller dyads, you know, kind of all throughout the force, but, you know, Revan and Bastila, Ben and Ray, those are, those are kind of the big ones, I think. Yeah. Cause like in the old canon, like you would kind of have like a, a bond with your master, you know, cause it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you're familiar with each other. It's like, you're kind of, you kind of get to know the quirks of the other person, you know, but uh, it kind of was like, uh, whether in Knights of the Old Republic 1 or Knights of the Old Republic 2, it's like Kreia and the Exile, like, it was on a whole other level, you know, and like, Bastila and mm-hmm. Revan, different level than, than that, so it's interesting, for sure. Yeah, it's fun to think about, and it would be really fun to see um, on screen, because then when you watch the sequel trilogy and they make mention of a dyad, you know, haven't seen in generations to then, you know, see the dyad and what that looks like and how it looks different you know, 4,000 years removed from it would be would be pretty cool, I have to say. Yeah, so what do you think a KOTOR biography would look like? Okay, so if we're doing like a Skywalker family at war type of a thing um, in the KOTOR universe, uh, which would be pretty awesome, um, I think that if you were just doing like a like a biography, just telling like, kind of the story of KOTOR. Um, and I think you're you're probably going to have the same as me. I think that like Bastila would be the kind of ideal uh, character to have this about, to talk about, you know, her introduction to the Jedi, uh, you know, saving uh, Revan, the strike team, and kind of going through, through her story. If you're just doing uh, kind of a story that just follows along, you know, the the KOTOR story, but if you stretch it like out beyond that, um, if we're looking at like a single character, I think that Malik would be a really interesting biography to read to learn about, you know, his becoming a Jedi and what ultimately led him to, you know, follow Revan and then betray Revan and, you know, carry on this uh, dark side, which seems, you know, from the game, like something he was, you know, at least a little bit hesitant or reluctant to kind of at the start. So I think that that his story, if you like took it beyond the Knights of the Old Republic, um, like game, like that section of the story uh, would be uh, pretty interesting. You know, of, of course, any of the, the characters would be interesting in terms of a single character story. Um, if you wanted to do like a family story, like a Skywalker family at war, I guess you could do like the like the Revenant uh, Bastila family. I don't know. The Shan uh, if, clan. <laughs> the Shan clan. I mean, if that leads to the Revan book, maybe that is already what that is. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. What do you think about a Kotor biography? Do you think it's more like a like if if you were going to like I said, if you were going to the library in Coruscant and you 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 turned back in Skywalker Family at War and you're like, hmm, what do I want to read a biography about now? Let's find something in Kotor. What do you think it looks like? So I think you could like kind of have a, a book covering the story of Kotor. I think you'd have mm-hmm. to start before Kotor and maybe like a little bit after Kotor. Um, it's kind of hard because it's like, do I include Kotor two? Whatever <laughs> Kotor three would have been. Do I have sure. to do anything with the Revan novel? Like, does it include Swotor? But um. I kind of think uh, Revan, it would probably be called the Shadow of Revan or something. Um, oh, okay. 
even though I would be like, what about the Shan clan? As And they'd be like, no, that's a horrible title. Never say that again. Um, and I'd probably have Revan's mask on the cover and then like uh, Malik and and Revan and, and Bastila on it with the, their lightsabers. But um, I kind of think it would kind of start with like Revan's background, uh, his training in Masters, the Mandalorian War and what that means and... Uh, then kind of like talking about Bastila's family upbringing, master, and we could finally find out who Bastila's master is. Because I think all we know from a deleted scene that her master would like pour water on her, you know, when she was acting out. And I was like, oh, that's a <laughs> crime, but okay. That's, yeah. yeah, that's not nice. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then I think it would kind of like them meeting for the first time would be kind of, it's really like the, that meeting is like changing the whole galaxy, you know, like it's Mm kind of like the decision that changes everything and kind of like puts the whole, the whole Star Wars KOTOR, you know, on track. And then I think it would Mm kind of cover like getting to kind of know the psychology of like the Dantooine Jedi, like, because I, I literally think, like, all of the Jedi that are introduced that are from Dantooine fall to the dark side, or they're Vruk, you know? And sure. they're doing something wrong there. I'd like to know what they're doing, you know? <laughs> and uh, what does it mean to the Jedi in the Jedi Civil War that they're fighting most likely people that they were classmates with? Maybe, like, people from Coruscant or Dantooine or from across the galaxy, like, what does that mean to be kind of fighting old classmates? And mm-hmm. what would it mean, like, for Bastila to be kind of dealing with, like, family issues, you know, as a Jedi, and you're not really able to, like, process anything as a healthy person because Jedi therapy doesn't exist or something because attachments or whatever. <laughs> and, like what would the psychology look like of, like, Bastila kind of keeping it a secret from Revan who he actually is and then falling in love with him and then Revan kind of rewalking the path he already walked and then finding out he was Revan, you know? Mm-hmm. And that would just be really cool to to learn psychologically. And then, like, dealing with Malik, like, what... What is Malik's psychology? You know, like, it's funny because I think, like, I kind of hate Malik in some ways, but I'm like, if they kind of went more in depth with some of the different aspects of his character, I would find him so much more interesting, you know? And, right. Yeah. And then it's like, would KOTOR be its own thing? Would you kind of include KOTOR too? Or is that, like, kind of the <laughs> exile story? And KOTOR 3 never happened. Do you kind of hint at SWOTOR or is SWOTOR its own saga of SWOTOR? Uh, I don't know. And yeah. So do you think there would be a KOTOR 2 story or a SWOTOR story? Yeah. So I, I think that, well, I would, I would really like to see, yeah, just kind of the, the story of KOTOR get this kind of a story treatment. It would be hard to, 
do KOTOR 2 that way, maybe. Um, it would be super interesting, but you'd almost have to do kind of like vignettes about each of the, the characters because it's not quite as linear of a story as we see um, yeah. either in KOTOR or in like like this book that we've been talking about, you know, Skywalker family at war. It's not, it's not quite as linear. So it'd be more of like a, like a character study kind of a thing. But I think that that would be really interesting too, to kind of, you know, be like a historical, you know, biography of, you know, the different characters of KOTOR too. Um, it, you know, and what kind of drove them to, to get to the point where KOTOR two is, and then, you know, what, you know, kind of propels them through that story as it goes. And then to bridge the gap into SWOTOR, uh, sure, why not? Um, let's, yeah, we could uh, dig into that, I think, um, in terms of, you know, one of these books kind of getting it set up. And I think that that would be really an interesting story for people like us who have played, you know, KOTOR and KOTOR 2, but never really gotten into SWOTOR. Um, and people that are into SWOTOR that never really played, you know, Knights of the Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic 2. Um, I think that that would be a really good kind of like, you know, way to bridge that gap kind of in knowledge to catch everyone up. Um, and I think that for me, at least, I would find that more interesting probably than the novels. And I think that I would be able to make a little bit more sense of it that way. Yeah. Um, but that that could just be me. That's kind of just the way that, you know, I learn and and my brain works and, you know, the kind of like entertainment I like to consume. So, yeah, like I imagine it's it's kind of like the, the rise and fall of the old republic, like and they'd be like, mm -hmm. are there how many volumes are there? You know, and it's like, there's a lot. <laughs> right. OK, you, yeah. you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> um this shelf is about Kreia. Start there, and then... There's 17 editions of Kreia. Deal with it, you know? So, like, maybe that's what the second one would be called, Kreia, the musical on ice or something. Um, oh, yeah. I would watch Kreia, the musical on ice, actually. But, yeah. Um, Spoiler, yeah. that's, how we're, that's how we're doing Knights of the Old Republic 2. We're doing as an ice capades show. Through... Through the lens of an ice capade, not a movie. <laughs> Just kidding. It's gonna be kind. It's gonna be mind-boggling, like how to break it down. But like, we're in season two. We'll we'll cover Kotor two. Like it, it's kind of more of a novel, I think. You know, mm -hmm. rather than a movie. But we'll still do we'll still do fan casts and all that. But Kotor two, we could just rename the podcast Kreia. Um but maybe yeah. people would be like, how do you spell that? And we'd be like, darn it, okay. <laughs> Dang uh, it. And then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so there is our episode on The Great Skywalker, A Family at War by Kristen Baver. And then we found a way to link it to KOTOR because of course we did. So any other yeah. closing thoughts, Brian? Um, so I have, a, I have a couple of notes here, my final thoughts on Skywalker Family at War, um, and it's that I absolutely love it, and uh, retelling this familiar story in a way that makes you examine the psyche of these characters is amazing, and please do more stories like this, and thank you, Kristen Baber, for uh, you know making this book, because I thought it was awesome, and I love the way that this story was told and woven, and I think you could do it for a bunch of different characters and a bunch of different aspects. I think like a Clone Wars version of this would be really interesting to oh, yeah. you know, get in, get into like the, the psyche of the clones and the, you know, 
uh, Jedi generals and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, I think you could, you could really break it down and tell a lot of different Star Wars stories like this, and it would be really amazing, and I would be first in line to pick them up. Yeah, I mean, if you did the Clone Wars, it could be called the Clone Crisis or something. So mm -hmm. yeah, I know someone who would really like that book. So um, yeah, so get get the get the book uh, from an indie bookstore, Skywalker Family at War by Kristen Baver, and we will be back soon. And you can find us on Instagram at Old Republic Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. And you can connect with us on Twitter at Old Republic Pod. On Patreon, the link is in our Instagram bio, or you can find it at www.patreon.com slash Old Republic Podcast. The Old Republic Podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Schurman at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash alistairsounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at christianwalkermusic.com. This episode of the Old Republic podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now. <laughs>